0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Thank you. My name is Mitch and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, all. Most of you have heard me a whole bunch of times. And uh, I've been a member for um, about 20 years. (laughs) Don't ask me where it went, uh, because it just kind of flew by. When I look back and say, 20 years, you got to be kidding. I wasn't planning on staying 20 minutes, you know, more or less 20 years. But uh, here I am, and uh, uh, my abstinence Anniversary is uh, February uh, 24th, uh, 2001. So I wanna talk about this new book that came out. It's called Body Image, Relationships and Sexuality. I'm gonna stick to the first topic, uh, body image. Uh, So I'm gonna read this story. The disease was never satisfied. With my disease of exercise bulimia, I was exercise bulimia, I was driven to the point of thinking that what I looked like was more important than my health. Being in denial, I didn't see what I was doing as unhealthy or harmful. 15 years later, As I look back, I can see that what I was doing was physical, emotional, and psychological abuse. My typical day with my disease started at 5 a.m. with an hour-long bike ride, either through the neighborhood or on a stationary bike at the gym. At lunch, I was back at the gym for over an hour lifting weights. After work... I was back at the gym again for at least two hours for a combination of cardio and weightlifting. On the weekends, there I was back at the gym for two and a half to four hours doing a combination of cardio and weightlifting. And on Friday and Saturday night, I would go dancing for at least three hours. When my weight would start to go up and I wasn't burning it off with all the exercise I would experience an internal shift and a period of unhealthy eating to the point of starving myself would begin I told myself a hundred times that if I lost five pounds I would be all right then I would be lovable then someone would love me I would lose the five pounds, but the disease was never satisfied. It would tell me to lose another five pounds, and then another. It didn't matter how much weight I lost, because it was never enough. I was never enough. This cycle of insanity continued one day, continued until one day there was a blow up. And I started compulsively eating again. Towards the end of my, towards the end of my feeling trapped by this disease, I found that by being able to starve myself to lose the weight had stopped and my weight was going up and up. The amount of time I spent exercising also was going up. My self-hatred increased. It was right around this time that my that a life inter, that life intervened and i found myself going to overeaters anonymous so a little bit longer of a story than that but that's the short version i got a sponsor who informed me that my behavior around exercise was called bulimia in my mentality as a male I had thought that bulimia was just young women. At first, I could only relate to the stories of other bulimics. And the bulimics I met were women of all ages. Most of the men I met had lost over 100 pounds. Even, eventually, though, these men became my friends, people I came to love. With the help of everyone I met, I began my journey, my journey of recovery, not only from bulimia and compulsive eating, but also from many different issues. I have worked the steps many times and I continue to practice the steps today. Bye. Thank you. I have done a lot of service showing my seriousness about my recovery and I continue to do service today. I call my sponsor at least once a week, and I attend meetings regularly. Part of my food plan is to weigh and measure my food, and I, have plan, I, and I have a plan of action that includes exercise, relationships, work, and service. Today, I am a sane member of Overeaters Anonymous. That's my story, and they published it in this book. I'm really happy about that. And so is ego, but you know, hey, what the hell. You know, a lot of that self-hate that I came in with that drove me to the gym, that drove me to starving myself, that that self-hatred is gone. I, I don't hate myself, I love myself today. And the reason why I love myself is today because there were people in the fellowship who showed me that love, showed me kindness, welcomed me no matter what my attitude was, because I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be here, but I, I really I needed help <laughs> around food and uh, and my other compulsive behaviors around body image and bulimia and self-hate. I don't hate my body today. I take care of it. I do exercise, but it's not that crazy, crazy, insane way. Although some people think when I backpack I'm I'm doing something crazy and insane, but that's that's another subject for another day. Um I I, I love it. And to tell you the truth, I didn't really love the gym. I, I hated myself that I went to the gym. To abuse myself and um so so I've I uh I got that sponsor that first sponsor I had I had him for over 10 years and he was uh, he was uh, a saint I felt like you know because he he listened to a lot of my step work many 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 10 steps and um and guided me through those 10 steps uh you know, just the fact that he would take my calls and listen to me read my 10 steps, just, you know, and then to give me some of his experience, strength and hope around what I had just written was something that wasn't completely new to me, but it it, it was completely new to me while being absent at the same time. To have another man show me that kind of love and attention, while I had no buffers, no food, no exercise, no crazy insane, was difficult. Was very difficult. And then to be welcomed by other people like Lewis and Shelley and Steve to you know to go you know, out to dinner with people and to uh, go to the movies with people. I remember one of the first times I went out to dinner with a group of guys, it was before a meeting and, uh, you know, all the food came and everybody was quiet, which was normal for me. You know, I mean, I was looking at the food and eating. And then the next thing I know I was about three quarters through my meal and I looked up and there was a lot of people that were, uh, they were done and they were talking now. And I'm like, I do belong here because everywhere else I went I was the first one done no matter what I ate and then I'm looking at your plate and what's on your plate and how can I get it off your plate and onto my plate, you know, so I'd spend the rest of dinner doing that while they were eating (laughs) crazy. You know, and uh, and I was always the first one, no matter who it was, it was always the first one. But here in this group, this group of Overeaters Anonymous, hell, they were eating faster than me. So I felt like this is good, this is where I belong. I fit here. <laughs> so it was that kind of thing. It was that kind of thing that allowed me to go, you know, and then of course, listening to people share in meetings. Was that okay? You know, I do. You know, I, I relate to that. I relate to that, and I'm not alone in this struggle. At the beginning, a struggle to uh, stay abstinent. And uh, that's another five. Thanks. Good five more. Well, it'd be a real miracle if I stopped before the 15. So people who've known me, you know, I usually go beyond the 15 minutes. can't shut me up. Um, you know, uh, the steps are really important. You know, going to meetings is really important. Reaching out to people is really important. I know it's all on Zoom right now, but you can reach out with the phone the uh, tools of recovery. There's nine of them. You know, it's very important to uh, stay in abstinence, finding sanity. And, um, you know, I think that if you really work the tools and the steps and that um, you'll recover and you'll find, you know, hopefully you'll find a life that I've found. I don't know if you'll find it, but hopefully you will. And um, cause I am not the person I was when I came here. I am just not, it's not the same person. I, I would get mad at people and blow up at them and tell them where they could go and what they could take with them and who, you know, what they could do when they got there. And, uh, and I don't do that today, you know, and uh, I don't have that anger, resentment and hostility and, um, people, when I was first getting in, I would run into people who knew me and they would come up to me and say like, Oh, what are you doing differently? Cause my whole demeanor had changed and I'd tell them what I was doing and I never seen them exit so fast. You know, when I told them I was a member of overeaters anonymous, I never seen them get away from me. So I was like, damn, if I knew that worked, I'd have came here a long time ago, you know? So And then there were just people that just, you know, would come up to me and say, Mitch, you're, you know, you're people that knew me, you know, that weren't members. I don't know what the hell you're doing, man, but it's working. So you just keep doing it. And, uh, you know, stuff like that, you know, there were people who, you know, some of the other compulsive overeaters that were in my life, they weren't real happy about what I was doing, you know. People made fun of me for coming to parties with Tupperware bowls, especially, you know, on Thanksgiving and Christmas when I was going to holiday parties. And I'm coming in with my Tupperware bowl. Oh, what'd you bring? I said, I brought my food. (laughs) I didn't bring no potluck food. I brought my food. And then I would just have dinner, you know, with them eating out of my Tupperware bowl. And uh, I got shit for that. But then sooner or later, people just said, oh, that's Mitch. He brings his food in a toughware bowl, and that was it. I struggled with that. There was I got maybe I got a quick story. There was this woman, Julie, and she was kind of a hard ass. She still is, but she's down south now. <clears throat> and I was at a meeting complaining about going to parties and you know with this toughware bowl. I'm a tough guy. I rode motorcycles, you know. Hey, you know, I don't, you know, toughware. And she would say, Hey, just put a little leather on there, Mitch, and put some spikes on there, you know. Yeah, they look real cool. And I just started laughing and then all of a sudden it was like that, that bothering me thing went away and I was fine with it. So I think I'm coming up on my five minutes and I do want to stop before. So thank you all for Ellen, Ellen, where'd you go? Where'd you go, Ellen? Eileen, Eileen. Ah, well, thank you anyway, I can't find you but thank you for asking me to speak.